Can you do a world model in 10 minutes? I can. Watch me. All right, so we left off yesterday with re-26. This is re-27, retraced segment number 27, Sunday, October 23rd, 2022, 11.47 p.m. Eastern Time, and we need a better world model. We were searching the New York Times and Fox News, and we discovered that it was very hard to decide whether things were evidence or whether they supported or did not support or contradicted our world model. Oh, I got to catch my breath. It was a race to get here on time. All right. Uh, so let's do this. It's in one page. It's beautiful. It's masterful. Now that is a world model. World model number four. This is the fourth version. Way better than the first three. The first three weren't even world models. It was like they were just hodgepodges. Not hodgepodges, but they didn't model the world. Okay, this one does. I guess I'm just going to start with it. Start into it, Okay. There are about six headers. I don't need to be telling you this. We're wasting time. One minute and nine seconds. Okay. Are we ready? Hello? I'm being told we're ready. Okay. First item. Natural intelligence is threat modeling. Yes. The intelligence part of what we are does at least one major thing. Threat modeling. Now, there are like four points, four kinds of modeling, four kinds of model that lead up to threat, or three kinds that lead up to the fourth one, which is threat modeling. So you've got a model of yourself. We'll talk about that in a second, self-model. You've got your locale model. That roughly corresponds to the hypotheses, i.e. the guesses about current history that we've been talking so much about. Um, then you've got your world model. This is world model four. We've had previous ones that were not so good. This one's better. And the world model, your world model, if you have one, you should have one and you should make it explicit like we're trying to do. That's a guess about cosmology. The world, the big world, not the little worlds that are a part of the big world. You could, your world model could be based on God. It could be based on physics and entropy and many world theory. It could be based on the simulation hypothesis. I don't know. It's your world model. You tell me. And then, once you've got those three, self, local, and world, you're on to threat modeling. Threat models are of catastrophic risk. What kinds of catastrophic risk? I know this is going to be too quick, but we've got to get it done in 10 minutes. This is a lot of stuff, and I don't want it to drag on and on. First kind of catastrophic risk is micro. Why are we going so fast? Because I don't want to waste your time. You have micro-catastrophic risk if I waste your time, if I waste your attention. You've lost moments of your life. Your whole life is composed of moments. Each one of those steps that leads to the last time thought experiment, the last time you do this, the last time you do that, those are all moments or groups of moments. That's micro-catastrophic risk. Partial catastrophic risk, you lose a, a, a limb, life, not life limb and eyesight, just limb and eyesight. You lose your limb, you lose your eyesight. That's partial catastrophic risk to you as an individual. Then you've got your whole individual catastrophic risk. That's you losing your life. You worry about losing your life in the same way that you should worry about catastrophic risks. I'm at 3 minutes, 16 seconds, so they're not going to make it through here. Okay. Uh, then you've got your local group, your family, your friends, the people in your neighborhood. That's local catastrophic risk. And then we get to wait for it, global catastrophic risk, GCR. We've talked about nature not effing around with GNR, genetics, nanotech, and robotics, GCR, global catastrophic risk. How does that tie into the world model? I just told you, go back if you weren't paying attention. Here's a side note, a first, a first side note. The self model, we should think of ourselves as survivors and thrivers. What are we? We are survival machines. This is the, this is the model. We're not, you know, this is a, a world model that needs to be tested. I'm not telling you that I know the truth, although I do, but I don't. No, just kidding. 
We are survival machines, or you might think of us as escape machines. I'll explain in a second. First, we must rage against the dying of the light. That poem by Dylan Thomas is important. Rage against the dying of the light. That's survival. Everything else that we do is what we care about. Frankfurt, retrace whatever number talked about uh, the care factor. And it's secondary to raging against the dying of the light. It doesn't matter what you care about if you're dead. Okay? So, self-model. We're survivors and thrivers. Individuals escape from the four Fs. Fighting, fleeing, feeding, and fornicating. The four Fs. The real stuff of evolution. Gopnik et al. Scientist in the crib. Cited in the notes. Um, So, individuals escape from the four Fs, but populations over time evolve to get better at escaping as a group, or on average. We're at five minutes. Yikes, we're not halfway through. We're about a third of the way through. Side, side note, motivation model, fun and doom. Let's talk about motivation. What would motivate us? What would motivation us? No. What would motivate us against doom compared to near-term fun? The problem is that wealth and power, and everything else that's near-term fun, a lot of it comes from that, um, are so motivating. Wealth and power, you don't want some? You're not going to have some fun with that? I mean, power in a general sense, like you got power over your time and your life, or things are going well for you if you've got wealth and power, right? But loss feels twice as intense as gain. So loss feels twice as bad as gain feels good. I don't know if a study has supported that, but I'm telling you it's the truth. Well, the solution might be then to arouse the anticipation of loss without overdosing on it. How do you motivate people to work on global catastrophic risk or nature not effing around, things that are not front and center, that are not obviously relevant to the present moment? Maybe you need to microdose them on the loss of ca- the catastrophic losses that might be in the future if they don't do something other than focus on the near term. Okay, that's a sidebar on the motivation model of the self, which is based on fun and doom. Let's talk about decisions. The two problems of life and the problem of death. I have, this has been a thing that's just been sort of germinating in my mind for years. Um, and this is the perfect place for it, it to come up. The two problems of this, maybe these three items reduced to the idea of making decisions or, or how decisions should or could be made. The two problems of life are to change the world or to change oneself, that part of the world that, that is oneself. Those are problems or decisions. Um, You've got this motivation. What do you do about it? Do you change the world? You're motivated. Do you go out and rearrange the matter? Or do you change yourself? You're really motivated to, you know, not be, have some fun or not be doomed. Maybe you read a book to learn more so that you're smarter, so that you can do those things. Two problems of life. Change the world or change oneself. The problem of death, a little bit different. Dead things, let me tell you the truth here. Dead things rarely become alive. Look at the whole universe, how much of it is becoming alive or has become alive so far, as far as we know. Whereas, alive things regularly become dead. Is that controversial? It shouldn't be. The problem is, what to do about this? I'll leave it there. Two problems of life and the problem of death. We're at 7 minutes 45 seconds. We're doing okay. We're at halfway. Next item, nature. We've talked about nature, which is not effing around. Nature is physics and selection as in natural selection. 
When we think of nature, we should think physics, evolutionary biology, and computer science and economics because it comes down to resources and what is possible to compute or what is possible to do in a, in a universe of finite resources and, and, and physical laws. You know, what is computable is, is determined by space and time, memory and um, the duration of uh, the steps in the algorithm. O, big O notation, complexity, okay? So when we think of nature, we should think of physics and natural selection and that these things are not effing around. So this brings us to GNR, genetics, nanotech, and robotics. First, let's start with genetics. Genetics is about two units of evolution or natural selection. Uh, replicators and vehicles. The replicators are genes. The vehicles are organisms. This could change. Okay, memes could be replicators, or they almost certainly are. What are the vehicles of memes? I don't know. And then we've got Dyson talking about analogy and all kinds of weird stuff is happening on this planet. It's a good time to be alive, but we got to keep it that way. So genetics is about replicators and vehicles, i.e. genes and organisms. Biological, mechanically advantaged energy is the contest between natural and animate matter via natural selection. Biological, mechanically advantaged energy is the contest in, in, I'm sorry, not is, in the contest between natural and animate matter via natural selection. I can't unpack that. It's going to be in the notes. You think about it. Have you heard of the Kardashev, Kardashev scale um, that, that sort of categorizes civilizations? We are a type 0.73, maybe, uh, Kardashev civilization. It's based on how much energy we can harness. Um, Let's say, that, so we've talked about genetics, let's talk about robotics and nanotech. I'm going to say that robotics, it, <laughs> the Kardashian scale needs to be explained. The three that he came up with, uh, number one was harnessing the power of the sun, that's type one civilization. Number two was harnessing the power of the solar system, that's type two. And number three is harnessing the power of a galaxy, that's type three. We, are, we don't even have the power, we haven't even, you know, sort of totally harnessed the power of our own sun, so we're below level one, and... Um, uh, who's the guy? Uh, Carl Sagan sort of did an interpolation between zero and one and said that in the 1970s, at least, when he was talking about this, we were at a 0.7 level based on the energy we were harnessing, uh, 0.7 level civilization. And then on Wikipedia, they did the math and said that we're about 0.73, more or less right now, um, in terms of Quantity of energy. Okay, well, let's say that 0.7 corresponds roughly to robotics. We're talking human-scale, mechanically-advantaged energy. Mechanical advantage is leverage. That's a fancy word for leverage. It's very, very important in, in nature, and then we're going to talk about strategic intelligence and artificial intelligence, and then we're done. That's, we're, we're very close here. Um, nanotech is nanoscale mechanically-advantaged energy, nanoscale leverage. And then planetary-scale leverage, mechanically-advantaged energy, is type 1 civilization, solar scale is type 2, galactic scale is type 3. Okay, that's what's going on with nature, which is physics and selection, not effing around. Moving on to strategic intelligence. Strategic intelligence is game theory. Full stop. Full overflowing stop, maybe. I don't know. All right, so blue and red bipolar group conflicts, you know, your political party versus the other one there probably aren't two if you're if you're listening to this certainly if you're in the united states um blue and red bipolar human group conflicts this is the most basic game in game theory one-on-one -on -one. uh you know zero sum you can argue that blue and red politics isn't zero sum but it can definitely be played that way and arguably often more often than not is um this most basic game 
kind of game gives rise to, to strategy. We're talking about strategic, strategic intelligence. What gives rise to it? Where does it come from? Game theory. And the simplest game, which is one-on-one. You've also got multipolar conflicts, which give rise to group strategy. Okay, so what is group strategy? What's that in the vernacular that we've been using? It's intelligence organizations. Okay, so you, you as an individual can play strategies in a game against another individual. But what if it's group on group? Or what if it's, you know, you against two other people, individuals? Things get complicated. We need intelligence organizations. I don't know. Maybe you don't need an, you, you don't need to jump to organizations if it's one on one on one. But anyway, I'm not very strong on game theory. I'm not very strong. I'm weak. I'm extremely weak on game theory. Let's not be silly. Uh, point number three is trust is the main problem in the in game theory. Um, and in particular, the prisoner's dilemma. The prisoner's dilemma is sort of like what we're dealing. Is, is definitely, I think, what we're dealing with with uh, global warming, where. We, we would all do better if we changed our behavior. We would all benefit, um, but nobody has the incentive to individually um, make changes to their behavior uh, because it only works if everyone else does it and there's no way to guarantee that everyone else is going to do it. Uh, so trust is the main problem in the prisoner's dilemma, dilemma according to me now uh, with my weak game theory. And trust is also the main problem with intelligence organizations. So trust, trust, trust. We talk about trust and sources all day long. Why? Because strategic intelligence is game theory. I'm talking very quickly, but we're going to make it. Finally, artificial intelligence is computer control. Leverage mechanisms. So when you think leverage, you should think mechanically advantaged energy. <laughs> this is too much, isn't it? Sorry, but it's fun. Go back and listen to it. You can play it in slow mode so that I'm not going so quickly. Leverage mechanisms explode in complexity, which leads to the need for computers. Believe me, or don't. Point number two, leverage mechanisms explode in power, which leads to the need for control, as in control theory, as in cybernetics. Leave it. Control, uh, computer control, in theory, is, then, therefore, Turing machine cybernetics. Turing machines are like the mathematical model slash theory of computing. And cybernetics is the mathematical slash model theory of control. Okay, so if we've got uh, computers and control, we've got Turing machines and cybernetics. Control, uh, okay, I should have said this at the top. We're trying to get to the point where we can evaluate evidence and we can, we can be in contact with data, with our world model, and when we go looking at evidence... I'm getting it there. I said nature is threat modeling. Um, uh, nature, uh, sorry, natural intelligence is threat modeling. Nature is physics and natural selection. Strategic intelligence is game theory, and artificial intelligence is computer control, which is, uh, which is Turing machine cybernetics. That's all really. That's hard math, concrete, no faffing around, no fuzz. We just crossed 15 minutes. Almost done. Computer control, uh, uh, control of computer artifacts i.e. hardware, is physics, chemistry, and engineering. Great, we're more grounded in, in, in the hard sciences. Control of computer electrons, i.e. the voltages, the code, that's coding, software engineering. Again, these are things we can evaluate concretely. It's not just mushy English words, which is what we've been doing so far. Finally, AI is classical code, wherein the steps described by the code yield precise results, and artificial intelligence code, wherein the steps described by the, the code improve imprecise results. 
That comes from Kissinger et al. in the uh, age of AI. That's the best definition of AI code. And so, so and AI is both of them. It's going to be the code that's simple, that yields the stuff that we've been writing, that yields the, um, the precise results. And it's going to be the stuff that uh, we're writing now, but that's starting to write itself or that's starting to become inc- incomprehensible to us. We write the algorithms, but they give rise to neural networks and models that we don't understand and can't inspect. Um, and those and that code will it, it, what it does that's different from normal computer code is that it improves imprecise results as opposed to yielding precise results. Okay, we did it in sixteen and a half minutes. Enough, absolutely enough. Uh, retrace, uh, no references, will be in the show notes, which will be linkable linked to in the RSS feed. Um, retrace.com, r e t r a i c e dot com. This is Retrace segment number 27. See you again around midnight. Uh, And that's it. Signing off.